Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Taking the pulse of the S REIT sector in the year to date, Singapore listed REITs and property trust average total returns of close to 11%. The 10 best performing trusts, mostly mid caps, they average 32% total returns. They own assets across industrial, retail, healthcare, office, and hospitality subsegments. Hospitality uh, REITs in particular looking pretty good. Five uh, S REITs have kicked off this quarter's reporting season with our financial results for the quarter. The five SPH REIT aims APEC REIT, Ascenders REIT, Sabana REIT, and Suntech REIT. We saw SPH REIT currently uh, down 0.96%. AIMS APEC up about uh, 1.39%. Sabana up about 1.16%. Uh, M1GU. These five REITs have reported increased distributions per unit, improved operating metrics across a cautiously optimistic outlook for the years, and a lot of optimism about um, inflows, particularly when it comes to hospitality and retail REITs. Um, is that what we're seeing when it comes to the top performers so far. Let's check in with our guest today, Tom Ging Ween, co-founder of ReadScreener.com. Ween, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm great, Michelle. Thanks for having me on your show again. Always a joy. I wonder, we've been keeping an eye out. Uh, it's been a blockbuster week when it comes to earnings in particular. Uh, when we look at a helicopter view of earnings for FCT, MCT, and some of the other REITs as well, do you think that it looks like REITs in Singapore are recovering to pre-pandemic levels? Oh, recovering to pre-pandemic levels, I think it's going to take a while more, uh, but uh, I think we are gradually getting there, um, specifically with regards to the uh, uh, retail side. Um, I mean, foot traffic still down, but um, the spending patterns have sort of been climbing over the months, so that's a good thing. Uh, on top of that, the uh, office side, which we are still on a you know um, default work from home situation, so the office side is going to take a while before it comes back, especially for the CBD officers. Uh, those with the uh, A-grade multinational tenants have been pretty uh, stable, actually. So they've been still paying out. They're still, the REITs are still collecting their rentals despite people. All right. So when it comes to the retail and the office scene, the overview of how we're recovering, the pace of recovery, what do you say? Okay, I don't know if uh, I should be the one doing it. Maybe I should quote the uh, NCT CEO, Sharon Lee. I think uh, one of the things she mentioned was that the VTLs actually have some effect. So people will want to travel overseas uh, and uh, maybe that might hurt some of the uh, retail food traffic to the uh, malls. So I'll quote her like in her own words. You know, everybody wants to go to Hong Kong, but for Hong Kong, everybody wants to come to Singapore. So oh. I think it's negative. So that's an interesting point, actually. It really is in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, what we can expect for foot traffic, particularly, uh, you know, some of our suburban malls, for example. Yeah. In fact, Sharon actually did quote about the suburban malls too, and I quote her again. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to her in her report on the MTP's results, she actually said, I will not be able to outperform the suburban malls, which are actually quite resilient during COVID period. So I think she summed up the whole, the whole results as well, again, for retail. 
which is something that you mentioned in one of your earlier shows with us. I remember uh, when we were talking about suburban malls when COVID just hit. Uh, that was something that you raised. If I can could just quote you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that was back in June, July, the heart of our uh, HA. Yes, yes. I think there was still the KTV incident and the Jurong Fisheries Port incident then. Yeah, so it looks like you've been proven right. <laughs> Suburban <laughs> I'm just quoting another one. <laughs> I, I guess uh, I, I've stated my views. I'll let someone else state their views. <laughs> so good on you, Sharon, if you're listening to this show. And um, what do you expect when it comes to the office? Everybody ex- expecting a hybrid office space. And what could this mean for the office rates? Uh, actually, I do agree. I think offices in general will be here to stay. People still need offices for multitudes of reasons. I mean, there are certain things that just are better in the office, especially you have coordination kind of roles, mm. brainstorming kind of roles, uh, collaboration kind of roles. And on top of that, our uh, properties and our houses are very small. So not everyone can have a conducive environment to work from home, especially if you have very young kids. So I think the office segment will be here to stay, but how it will evolve and how it will be shaped and how it will be used will differ because uh, people still need a presence Corporates still need a presence in the, in the region, in Singapore, to show that they are serious, that when you hire, there is a company, there is an address, there is an office. So I believe talent acquisition is important for the offices. Uh, so it will change from one form to another. I think there will be probably about more shared spaces, more quiet spaces, more collaboration spaces, uh, a lot more creative spaces. And I guess on the uh, work from home situation, mm. I quote Sharon again, because she was asked about this, whether the trends for work from home for, has stabilized. And uh, Ms. Lim mentioned, uh, we are stable at the lowest point. <laughs> Interesting comment. The government lifts the restrictions that the traffic will come back up and help our uh, office crowd at Maple Tree Business City and Alexandria Retail Center. That's what she said specifically for MCT. And I think it's a general comment, and I do agree with this comment for the CBD offices as well. All right. I have to say, though, mm-hmm. MCT has been pretty resilient. Um, the uh, office sector, the business parks, the Maple Tree Business City has been uh, clocking in positive rental reversions uh, throughout. So uh, it really shows the resilience of their tenants. How do you think MCT has done in relationship to the different government um, policies on restrictions, the ebbs and the flows? Uh, MCT, actually, I think the office side of their uh, business uh, or their sector uh, probably isn't really hurt at all. They're just chugging right along, doing fine. But for the retail side of things, uh, which is the specifically Vivo City, I think uh, is really affected to some extent by mm. the apps and flows of the uh, government measures. So whenever the restrictions are lifted, uh, then you get more foot traffic, you get more spending. And then, of course, when you uh, tighten again, you get less foot traffic. And now there's limited to two persons at table. Uh, there's less people uh, walking in and um, you do get a, a bit of a hit in terms of spending patterns. So that, in, to some extent, affects the tenants as well. And 
you know that uh, many of these reads, you know, are Fraser, uh, Vivo, uh, Maple Tree Commercial, uh, Capital Land to some extent. No, they don't always just charge a base rental. Mm. They also do have a spread or a certain percentage of variable rental that comes based on the sale. So, so they lose some of those components. Right. And right. Uh, of course, when there's tightening, F&B always bears the brunt. Yes. Somehow, and uh, there is also rental rebates, there's a rental support that the government requires, so that's loss of income as well. How has MCT coped? Um, you know, can you see what it's been doing with regards to anticipation for less um, uh, rentals? I think uh, so far, MCT has been uh, doing a lot of work at Vigo City, specifically for retail. Uh, uh, I mean, they have been doing some reconfiguration of their spaces. Mm. So they have got in like uh, new concepts. The the big one that they did over was uh, last year was actually the transition from the uh, uh, cold storage and uh, iron into the fair price extra. So they have taken back some floor spaces from there mm. and then created new F&B concepts. Uh, on top of that, uh, they have also uh, taken back some of the Spaces way at the back of uh, Harvey Norman. Mm. Uh, it gave Harvey Norman a bigger uh, facade so that it's more visible. They took back the place where people go very rarely, which is all the way to the back. They carved out those spaces, uh, subdivided it for other, other smaller tenants. Uh, I think Rebonds is one of the tenants now from there and a few other uh, rejuvenation concepts. Another one they did was actually Jamie Oliver. I'm not sure if you remember, there was a restaurant there. Yes. They, uh, they took over their floor space. They carved it out. They made the restaurant's face uh, Sentosa. So give gives that a little bit premium. And they put in certain uh, crowd drawers like Shake Shack, which then draws the foot traffic around that area. So uh, overall, some of them are probably started pretty. I think some of them during the pandemic and uh, not part of the pandemic. And some of them still uh, are reconfiguring till today. So I think these are all the little carving out of spaces and changing of their concepts in order to sort of stem the, the problems uh, that they are facing uh, and pressures they're facing on the retail side. And I think to some extent, they're doing a pretty good job given the, uh, mac- the, the macroeconomic outlook that they have to fight against. So mm. a good job to the manager there. Wonderful overview there. I asked because, you know, recently we saw Fraser Center Point Trust saying a quarter of leases in its portfolio of retail malls will be due for renewal in the new financial year. And that FCT itself is looking to improve leasing sentiment, uh, you know, as we see more reopening of Singapore businesses. What can you see from FCT's results so far? Uh, Yes, it is true. About a quarter of their leases are expiring. But uh, the truth is, historically, this has always been the trend with FCT. um, And this is actually quite similar across to their peers, like Capitaland Mall Trust. To some extent, it's quite similar to the patterns that you see even uh, in our peer cities like Hong Kong. So like Fortune Reed, you, you sort of get this same pattern where uh, anywhere from uh, 25% to 35% of the leases expire in any particular one year. And this is owing to the fact that retail rentals are naturally short. Mm. So when you sign a retail lease, it's usually two years or three years with an option to renew. So you get very long weighted lease expiries. But for retail, this is normal. So I would say for FCT, uh, even though a quarter of the leases have been, is going to be expiring next year, it has always been the case. Pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, 
uh, as well. So in the last five years, I've looked at it. It's pretty normal. Anywhere from 25% to 35% of their leases do expire in a particular year. So nothing uh, too uh, out of the ordinary for that. Uh, but uh, with regards specifically to their lease expire, what, are they, what is the manager doing about it? And mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, and where are places to look out for? This is how I would look at it. I would look at, instead of looking at the, the lease, leases that are going to expire, I'll look at if the leases expire, will it hurt them? I think that would be the important question. So the two key things I would look out for really would be what is the occupancy rate? So how many can they fill their spaces? Number two, what is their tenant retention? How many percent of those tenants will stay with them? So anywhere from 60 to 75 percent of the tenants staying with them would be very healthy. And if you can push the number higher, that's even better. And uh, tenant retention is important because if a tenant is already with you and stays with you, then renews with you, typically it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a drag for the tenant to shift out and, and, and it's, uh, it's, it, it, it comes with cost. So with that, uh, with the savings of cost staying on and all, on top of the capex and renovations done, landlords also take the chance to make, make sure that the leases renew at a higher rate. And that's where uh, I think tenant retention is very important. So that contributes back to occupancy. On the other hand, if your tenant retention is weak, then you are going to have to backfill the spaces from uh, outside. The good thing about all uh, contracts or leases is you do have to some extent uh, the uh, notice. So with notice period in advance, they can start sourcing. Uh, but of course, uh, it is competitive. So uh, they may have to actually uh, give a, a good competitive value to to others uh, in order to actually make sure that their floor spaces are filled. So I'll look at occupancy rate. I'll look at tenant retention rates for FCT. Uh, I won't worry so much about the quarter of it. So as long as they do the job there, and I, th- I think they do. Uh, a case in point would be um, for Waterway. The last quarter, they had a, a tenant that's leaving, and that's H&M, if I recall. So, um, this is Waterway, uh, the mall? Pongo Waterway. Pongo yeah. Waterway, okay. Yes, they, they vacated two, floor, two floors worth of floor space, and that's a lot of space. So um, uh, very quickly, within a quarter, uh, they managed to get the Toys R Us, which used to be at the basement, to move up to one level. They have added other ten- smaller tenants as well in there. So oh, I think over most of the, over 80 over percent of the spaces are already uh, so that actually shows the strength of the kind of malls that they have. Uh, people do want to be there. And on top of that, I think the manager has acquired a lot more malls recently from the ARF acquisition. Plus, on top of that, they do have uh, a long history in the market. So they have got very good relations with tenants. And there are tenants in other malls looking to expand. So, so uh, as long as they play their synergies right, I think they should be able to attract quite a number of uh, tenants in any floor spaces that are given up. However, I do have to mention that there are uh, actually um, a risk to look out for, mm. for FCT specifically since we are on the topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I wouldn't be too worried about their anchor malls where, there's very, where they are the dominant player in that region with, or sub-market without too much competition. And I'm referring to the type like Causeway Point, you know, in Woodlands, uh, North Point in Yishun, Tiong Bahru Plaza, Tiong Bahru Waterway Point in Pongo, uh, 
Not too much competition there. There's no equivalent malls in that sector. Uh, however, uh, I would want to watch out for rental reversion. So that's another uh, number I will watch out for, the rental reversions for malls like Tampines One and Century Square because they have competition just opposite, which is uh, Tampines Mall or uh, Changi City Point. That would be another one of the assets I watch, watch out for. Changi City Point is a special, uh, unlike the other siblings of its assets. Changi City Point is actually surrounded by a lot of high-density residential. So it does rely a lot on the office crowd. So that's the one that will drag their performance together with those in the high competition markets of companies. So I will watch out for how they do on those and see whether, um, uh, and, and watch whether um, they, they, they execute right. All right. Now let's take a broader view of what Singapore listed real estate investment trusts have been doing acquisition-wise. We know that about two-thirds of office investments last year went to U.S., U.K. properties. Um, despite pandemic headwinds, over the past couple of months, we've seen many Singapore-listed real estate investment trusts scooping up high-quality assets, focused still on office properties and data centers. Can you give us your sense of where SREITs are investing? Oh, Okay. I, uh, SREITs are investing all over the world, actually, if I have to say. <laughs> I mean, we are a small country. There are that many assets here that are, uh, are worth investing in or right value or have the right growth potential. So managers cannot just be inward focused and concentrate on this local market. Uh, when the time is right, they have to look elsewhere. And uh, this is actually shown by a lot of data. Uh, actually, this is not a new uh, phenomenon. In fact, uh, even pre-pandemic, we have about 85% of Singapore uh, REITs already owning some sort of overseas properties, including those that are completely overseas. Uh, so where has, uh, where has the REITs been investing? So recently, uh, what comes to mind would be uh, Ames APAC REIT. AA Reed. Mm-hmm. So they made an acquisition of Woolworths HQ that's okay. down in Australia. Uh, Capital VC Reed, they made an acquisition in uh, Guangdong, China for a data center. And it's not just that one data center, it's actually a data center campus. So they actually have rights of refusal to another five in the pipeline in that same area. Uh, I read Global, they acquired uh, Barcelona Asset just two weeks ago, a Sanders Reed announced uh, 11 last mile logistics properties in Kansas City. It's a big one. So, uh, yeah, it's big. Um, and they, they have been very effective because that they were acquiring, I think, exactly 11 data centers in Europe as well. It was way back in quarter one in March. So, um, and, and I think uh, there has been a lot of overseas uh, acquisitions and some are actually greenfield developments like Senda's India Trust. They're actually building a new data center in India, Mumbai, that is. So uh, very exciting. Um, everyone is uh, definitely venturing outside of this country, making sure they, they hold global assets. So we are an international citizen. And what is your take on the, the investments that you've been seeing so far, the acquisitions? Less of a, a worry for the dilutive possible knock-on effects? Or do you think that these investments that you've seen are likely to make these REITs more attractive? Uh, I think generally so. It is true. As long as you don't dilute your shareholders, 
you make sure that the value of the read increases, the value of the NAV increases per unit, the value of the DPU increases every time you make an acquisition. And on top of that, each acquisition comes with that its natural organic growth over the coming year. I think you will make shareholders happy. You will have growth. Uh, and that is a good investment. And uh, so far this year, a lot of acquisitions has taken place, as we have mentioned mm-hmm. a few examples earlier. Uh, so far, I have not seen anything from a pro forma basis where the acquisitions are dilutive. So that's definitely uh, good news. Last year, a lot of dilutive acquisitions came about. So uh, that was quite a miserable year. I think I was looking <laughs> at acquisition after acquisition, and they were all very dilutive and uh, wasn't very good for shareholders. So this year, I think I, I owe it to a few things. I think one, I think hmm. over the years, CS has been uh, doing a good job making sure people are educated. There's more education in the market as well. Uh, there's, of course, uh, activist investors like um, like uh, Black Crane as well as uh, Quartz Capital that you know that runs campaigns. You know when uh, people are trying to undervalue an acquisition. Indeed. Uh, and 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 I think um, the, the Singapore population plus all the hedge fund family offices that are actually incorporated here institutional investors they're getting more and more savvy as well with regards to the REITs market mm. so um so i think uh, i would definitely uh not so much look at whether it's an overseas or local acquisition i'll look at whether the acquisition was a good value in mm. terms of the buy price or a good uh, growth potential in terms of its uh, potential outlook uh, and that, I think, should drive uh, the REITs market forward. Well, thank you for helping us take the temperature of the S-REITs industry. And speaking of education, uh, REITs to Riches is something that Gein run, uh, you, you run, and that's a Skills Future Credits claimable course. You still have some slots before the end of the year. Will, are you still running that? Yes, actually, we are. I'm going to be running the next class, and that's the last Again, so that's 27, 28th of November. And that's the last class I'll be running mm. for this year. The next class I'll be running uh, will probably be after Chinese New Year. I'm probably just going to take a break. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Have right. a holiday. I've got my vaccinations. I'm happy with the VT <laughs> arrangements right now. So after this show, I will surf the internet Looking at reads and real planning holiday. All right. Well, we'll let you get to the fun stuff. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this morning. As always, his first book is titled Reads to Riches Everything You Need to Know About Investing Profitably in Reads. He's also co founder of a Read Screener. It's called ReadScreener.com. Tom Ging Ween there. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.